Good day and thank you for standing by. Welcome to Agora Incorporated first quarter 2021 financial results. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to our first speaker today, Ms. Fiona Chen. Thank you. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator. Uh, good, good evening and good morning, everyone. My name is Fiona Chen. I'm the Investor Relations Director at Agora. Thank you for joining Agora's first quarter 2021 earnings conference call. Joining me today are Tony Zhao, Founder, Chairman, and CEO, and Jingbo Wang, CFO. Our earnings result press release and a slide deck can be found on our IR website at investor.agora.io. Reconciliations between our GAAP and non-GAAP results can be found in our earnings press release. During this call, we will make forward-looking statements about our future financial performance and other future events and trends, including guidance. These statements are only predictions that are based on what we believe today, and actual results may differ materially. These forward-looking statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, assumptions, and other factors that could affect our financial results and the performance of our business. We will discuss them in details in our filings with SEC, including today's earnings press release, um, and the risk factors and other information contained in the final prospectus relating to our initial public offering. Agora assumes no obligation to update any forward-looking statements we may make on today's call. Uh, with that, let me turn it over to Tony. Tony, please. Thanks, Fina. And welcome, everyone, to our earnings call. I would like to start by saying that our hearts and thoughts are with the people in India and other parts of the world dealing with the current pandemic. Some of our own Agora team members and their families were affected. But together, we will help each other through this difficult period. The world has changed. Everyone is looking for a way to stay connected to their loved ones. Through our real-time engagement platform, Agora is committed to making this meaningful human connection possible. With that said, let's talk about Agora's performance for Q1 2021. We had another quarter of strong growth in Q1 2021 as developers and innovators around the world continue to create new immersive engagement experience with our real-time voice, video, chat, and streaming products, transforming all industries. In this quarter, the amount of real-time voice and video engagements powered by Agora exceeded 50 billion minutes per month for the first time. As we watch the bloom of innovative new use cases built with Agora over the past year, it is clear that the world is evolving from a consumer economy and knowledge economy towards a greater economy, where people make a living by sharing their skills, hobbies, and interests online. These creators include foreign language teachers, yoga instructors, tutor guides, uh, tour guides, chefs, DJs, musicians, and many more. Increasingly, these creators are leveraging the Internet and the power of Agora's real-time engagement network 
to enable those experiences and engage with their audience. For example, we recently partnered with a virtual tour platform in Europe to enable tour guides to serve customers from thousands of miles away. Here, tourists can join a live streaming, uh, live streamed tour, where local guides introduce the destination and share the uh, share their sites and culture according to tourists' uh, interests through real-time interactions. And all of those happens uh, right in the tourist living room. Another example is an education platform based in San Francisco that enables artists to teach each other, uh, to teach other creative skills such as how to DJ through VR. We believe these examples are just the beginning of the creator economy. We will continue to invest R&D efforts to reduce the friction for more and more creators to engage with their audience. On the enterprise side, real-time engagement has evolved far beyond video conferencing. With so many aspects of business forced online to avoid total shutdown, the speed of digital transformation for enterprise has accelerated. For example, house closings and notarizations uh, that used to require in-person meetings can now be performed by service by services like AppCash, which use Agora's RTE platform to provide verification and enablement services to legal and financial providers. With a powerful combination of AR, um, with a with a powerful combination of uh, With a powerful combination of AR and real-time video, our par partner Wipro developed a solution that enables real-time expert consolation uh, for a wide range of enterprise customers, from medicine to manufacturing. Having seen the benefit of RTE-driven digital transformation, enterprise will continue to innovate and leverage RTE platform to increase productivity and customer engagement. Another example of RT innovation is XR, or extended reality. Just two weeks ago, we announced our partnership with HTC at Vivecom. When they announced their latest VR headset for enterprise, the HTC and Agora partnership will enable not just real-time interactions between VR devices, but also XR live streaming which allows users to share in the, same, uh, in the same immersive experience on any device without requiring a VR headset, making the VR experience more accessible, productive, and enjoyable for all participants. We feel strongly that XR, coupled with real-time engagement, will drive the next generation of workplace collaboration. In particular, I'm excited about the potential of XR live streaming because it enables seamless connection between the real world and the metaverse or virtual world and between different metaverse all through the power of Agora network. On the product side, 
we recently released Agora SDK 3.4, which is packed with many important technical enhancements, especially on video fluency. By video fluency, we mean a stable frame rate, low jitter, and solid audio-video sync that must be in place for the session to be as natural and distraction-free as live in-person conversation. In the past, most people believe one can either have good fluency with multiple second latency or sub-second latency with poor fluency, but not good fluency and sub-second latency at the same time. This is because sub-second latency means the playback buffer is extremely small, making the playback more prone to jitter. Through our end-to-end -end engineering improvements and adaptive transmission strategies, I'm extremely proud to say that we are now able to achieve sub-second latency while maintaining the same fluency compared to traditional long-latency content delivery technology, such as CDN. We, this is an important milestone because it removes needs for our customers to make trade-offs between interactivity and video quality. Recently, this technology enabled a major education customer to deliver, to deliver live lecture with excellent video quality to thousands of students in one classroom, while keeping the ability to interact with each other at any time. Here, I invite developers around the world to try our latest SDK to see for yourself. In addition to the core voice and video APIs, we have added chat and whiteboard APIs to our platform through the acquisition of Ismo and Netless. We have now, complete, uh, we have now completed post-acquisition integration for the China market, and the integration effort for US and other markets are well underway. I'm looking forward to supercharging Agora's global developer community with our combined offering. To first more innovation on the Agora platform, we launched the Agora Startup Program this year to empower global startups with exclusive, ex exclusive backend support and benefits like free minutes and direct access to VCs and accelerators. The program has gained tremendous traction in the first quarter with 96 accelerators, incubators, and investment partners globally. I would like to invite all founders with big ideas to join the program and let us help you pursue your dream. Lastly, I would like to take the opportunity to thank our customers and our developer community for their innovation and passion to help people stay connected. I also want to say thank you to all the Agorans for their hard work and dedication to our customers' success. The first quarter was a great start to the year, and I'm, I'm very excited about all the opportunities in front of us as we continue to help build the future of real-time engagement. Now let me turn things over to Jingbo, who will reveal our financial results. Thank you, Tony. Hello, everyone. Let me start by reviewing app accounts at the end of March, excluding Rosemont eSmart. 
adding about 11,000 per month in a quarter. We also saw significant usage growth from use cases such as interactive lecture hall and audio livecast during the quarter. Additionally, ASMOB contributed approximately $1 million to our top line. As we mentioned in our last earnings call, in order to help investors better understand our organic growth, excluding the impact from one-off events, such as the complete lockdown in China in the first half of 2020 due to COVID-19, we calculated adjusted total revenues for these periods. When comparing to adjusted total revenues in Q1 last year, our revenue grew 81% year over year in this quarter. Our trading 12 months constant currency dollar-based net expansion rate is 131%, excluding ESMOB. If we use adjusted total revenues, the expansion rate would be 146%. Moving on to costs and expenses. For my following comments, I will focus on non-GAAP results, which exclude share-based compensation expense, acquisition-related expenses, amortization expense of acquired intangible assets, and income tax related to acquired intangible assets. Please note that a significant portion of the consideration paid or payable to the management team and employees of ESMOB and Netflix is accounted for as acquisition-related expense in our income statement under U.S. GAAP. Non-GAAP gross margin for the first quarter was 58.4%, which was 10.7% lower than Q1 last year and 2.1% lower than Q4 last year. This was mainly due to the strong growth in new international markets that we are expanding into, where infrastructure costs are higher. In addition, we continue to expand our capacity around the world in anticipation of future growth driven by the accelerated digital transformation worldwide, which led to higher depreciation of 4.7% of revenue in this quarter compared to 2.1% in Q1 last year. Non-GAAP R&D expenses were 17.4 million in Q1, up 65% year over year, as we continue to hire talented employees and strengthen our R&D team. Non-GAAP R&D expense was 43.3% of total revenues in the quarter, compared to 29.7% in Q1 last year. Here, our strategy is to focus on long-term growth opportunities and innovation instead of maximizing short-term profitability. We intend to continue to invest significant resources in our R&D capabilities in order to further strengthen our technology leadership and provide a more diverse product portfolio to developers around the world. Non-GAAP sales and marketing expenses were 7.5 million in Q1, up 38% year over year, mainly attributable to team expansion and increased advertising and event expenses. Sales and marketing expenses represented 18.6% of total revenues in the quarter, compared to 15.3% in Q1 last year.
non-gap G and expenses were 4.5 million in Q1, up 67.7% year over year, mainly due to team expansion and professional service fees. G and expenses represented 11.1% of total revenues in the quarter, compared to 7.6% in Q1 last year. Non-gap operating loss was 5.6 million, translating to a 13.9% non-gap operating loss margin fourth quarter. Compared to cash flow, our operating cash flow was negative 2.7 million in Q1, compared to negative 0.9 million last year. Free cash flow was negative 8 million, compared to negative 3.4 million last year. Net cash outflow in the quarter was mainly due to capital expenditure as we continue to scale our network and the consideration paid for netless acquisition. Moving on to balance sheet, we ended Q1 with $877 million in cash, cash equivalents, and short-term investments, compared to $635 million at the end of last year. The increase was primarily due to the proceeds from a $250 million private placement of ordinary shares. Now turning to guidance, COVID-19 is still an unprecedented variable to our business model, where historical experience may not apply. Our guidance on full-year revenues reflects a number of assumptions that are subject to change based on uncertainties related to the impact. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I have uh, three questions here. Uh, the first is um, uh, on the education uh, regulation. We, we notice that there are a lot of noises in the market uh, that some of your customers could be uh, subject to uh, new regulations on their customer acquisition or their content, etc. And uh, based on your uh, uh, discussion, ongoing discussion with your customers, what should be the expected impact from this, uh, these uh, regulation changes? And also, what is the uh, uh, revenue from this sector uh, in the past quarter? Uh, the second question is, uh, 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 how, will, uh, how should we uh, look at the gross margin? Uh, in the recent quarter, is 58%. And uh, uh, what should be the uh, outlook for the full year, and what will drive the uh, potential uh, stabilization and turnaround of the uh, gross margin? And the third, co uh, third question is: uh, Do we see intensifying competition from public cloud and uh, other smaller players? Uh, what is the recent competitive dynamic uh, in the market? Thank you. Yes, uh, I'll take uh, uh, the first question. Um, I, I think it's very hard to talk about impact, uh, you know, from the regulations at this point. The government is still drafting more details of the new regulations and consulting with various stakeholders in the education industry. It is unclear what the final regulation will look like and at what pace the government will enforce the new rules. Meanwhile, uh, besides those uh, regulations being discussed, uh, I think the government has made clear uh, that they are uh, trying to promote the so-called three-classroom 
uh, initiative, which is leaning towards leveraging more online classroom services um, to help uh, you know, uh, improve the overall education services. Uh, therefore, we think no matter how regulatory change uh, would happen, the overall public and the private sector use cases uh, for online education should um, uh, for online education should continue to grow. If uh, we think in long term, I can also offer a few more perspectives. Um, I think one, uh, the overall education system based on merit and exams is unlikely to change, which means the demand for art school tutoring is hard to diminish. And the shift from offline to online is likely to continue given the convenience and cost advantage of the online. Uh, then the shift from one-way broadcasting to interactive class is like, likely to accelerate, given the better experience and the uh, learning outcome of interactive class. Who, as to who will organize and provide actual tutoring service, um, uh, whether it's uh, education companies or public schools or even individual teachers, I think this is uh, uh, you know, something will depend on the new regulation. For us, uh, we will just uh, continue to focus on the things that will not change, which is uh, more and more and better uh, experience with uh, uh, you know, online classroom uh, solutions. Uh, you know, and uh, we will be dedicated to trying to provide the best uh, you know, of such online classroom solutions for all education providers. And just to add in Q1, education uh, sector contributed to uh, about 35% of total revenue. Uh, margin? Oh, I'll take the second question. So on the gross margin, there are a few factors at play uh, here. On the one hand, we are continuing to optimize our incoming cost and our technology architecture. Uh, on, the other, well, on the other hand, a global expansion and things like uh, new initiatives like startup program will incur additional cost. So on balance, we expect gross margin to remain relatively stable in the coming quarters. Um, with that said, I want to highlight that we believe we are still in the early days of real-time engagement technology. Use cases, geographies, uh, cost structure are all changing very rapidly which means gross margin will fluctuate from quarter to quarter. At this stage, uh, we are more focused on expanding our scale and use cases. Uh, we think that as long as we keep innovating and delivering high-quality products, there's no reason to worry about our margin in the long term. And uh, the question is about uh, intensifying competition from public cloud and other small players. Uh, we think you know uh, the competition with public clouds and startups uh, has been happening for many years. Uh, I think uh, you know in very early days, uh, four or five years ago, uh, you know when some of those giant public cloud companies start to offer a similar off, uh, you know products or APIs and trying to compete with us, um, and the competition is naturally going to you know strengthen as the market grows. Uh, or in the industry grow. Uh, you know, the competition we are seeing in the market today is not really out of the ordinary, uh, you know, uh, 
it's just a natural development of the growing market. Um, um, for us, uh, as uh, you know, as uh, industry progress and competition grow, um, we will just continue to stay focused on the needs from developers, customers, and create value for them. We will also focus on product and technology innovations, so to provide a better and professional offerings to all developers and the customer base. As I mentioned in my opening remarks, our um, interactive live streaming product can now achieve sub-second latency with video fluency, same as long uh, latency technologies, such as CDN. This, this kind of breakthrough is an innovation that helps us with competition, and we will continue to roll out more products like this. Uh, thank you. Uh, may I just follow up in terms of the uh, global uh, uh, revenue contribution? Uh, we, we know this will be a little bit negative for growth margin, but uh, definitely it's a huge market opportunity for uh, Agora. Uh, could you please update us in terms of the revenue contribution uh, from uh, uh, global market outside of China? Thank you. Uh, in Q1, uh, revenue contribution from U.S. and other international markets uh, was about 27 to 28% of total revenues. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Emerson Chan from Bofa Securities. Please ask your question. Hi, thank you, management. I have three questions. My first question is a follow-up on the regulation on the education market. Um, given the unclear regulatory outlook, I wonder what assumptions on the regulatory impact we build into our full year's revenue guidance. And also, there's a narrative that uh, regulation on education will favor those market leaders. I just want to understand what will be the impact to us if customers are getting bigger or in case market is consolidating. Will, will they be more incentivized to do it in-house or look for cheaper alternative? Uh, this is my first question. My second question is related to R&D investment. Given our R&D costs increased uh, quite a bit in Q1, so uh, could management give us more color on the trend of R&D spending relative to revenue in this year? And what areas of R&D we are investing also, uh, when do we expect these uh, investments translate into growth uh, in the future? My last question is how we can increase our customer stickiness. Uh, given um, I noticed that we have more than um, 2,300 active customers now, we also provide some startup program to encourage our RTE adoption. But apart from our technology leadership, what value or features we are providing that uh, can increase the stickiness of our customer? Um, I just wonder if there's anything that our competitors are unable to offer so that our customer will stay with our platform. Thank you. Sure. Uh, in terms of the assumption under the guidance, I would say uh, for education sector, we are assuming a modest tightening in regulation, and we have revised our revenue growth rate uh, downward accordingly. 
uh, we are not assuming a, a very drastic change in the uh, in entire industry. So on the uh, customer consolidation point. Right. Uh, on, on that part, I think uh, in the period of time, uh, customer consolidation in education might more or less uh, you know, change the composition of our education customer base. But uh, it will be dynamic because there will be continued innovations and there will be also continued changes in environment, um, as you all aware. Uh, as to the impact of uh, consolidation, uh, I think, uh, you know, our current education customer base includes uh, already uh, quite some established large education companies. Uh, therefore, uh, you know, we don't think, uh, you know, there will be too much, uh, you know, impact, uh, you know, uh, in there. Um, I can also further elaborate our thoughts around just uh, in general competition with the DIY or in-house uh, solutions. Uh, first, I think this question, uh, you know, almost like applies to all PaaS or SaaS providers. Uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, they all might face the situation that uh, their customers, when they grow bigger, trying to build something on their own. For us, my view is that real-time engagement platform as a service is still a very young cloud service. It still has a long way to evolve. The quality of the experience will get better. Cost will get cheaper. New features will be added uh, every year. Even the form and format of the product is uh, still has a uh, you know uh, many uh, you know um, many you know uh, things to 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 improve or to be defined uh, in the next few years. So it will get harder and harder to build something just in house with the same quality and co cost and completeness of those offerings. No matter how big you are, if you can't build it better or cheaper, why would you still build it? And in the end, I think it's about the boundary of companies. Each company should have a clear core competency. For example, education companies should focus on education, not hardcore technologies like real-time engagement, which will be used widely you know, outside of education itself. Uh, as time goes on, you know, every company uh, needs to stay focused to, you know, to make their competition power in their own sector, uh, you know, better. So, um, you know, I think uh, it will be a natural, um, you know, outcome. Uh, the second question, R&D. Uh, first of all, I would advise investors to really uh, look at the non-GAAP R&D uh, number because the gap number includes uh, one-off uh, expenses such as acquisition-related expenses. Um, a significant portion of the acquisition consideration paid to the teams of uh, ISMOP and Netless was classified as uh, R&D expense uh, in the income statement. So in terms of the non-gap uh, R&D expense, uh, it was 43% of revenue in this quarter and uh, we actually expect this to remain at the around 40% level uh, throughout this year as we continue to invest very heavily R&D. So right now we have uh, close to 1,000 employees. Uh, that's excluding ISMOP, which has about 200. And uh, out of that 1,200 total employee base, uh, about two-thirds uh, R&D employees.
and they are working on a uh, lot of things. Uh, I can roughly divide these things into three categories. The first one is quality improvements. Uh, on the front end of the SDK is, is the end user software side, right? Video audio compression, how to min minimize the uh, video size while keeping high fidelity, how to lower CPU usage, right? how to reduce the size of the SDK, how to become more compatible with the thousands of new devices uh, uh, coming, out of, coming out every year. So these are the things the front-end team is working on. And then the back-end team, where they work on the global network routing algorithms, how to deal with packet loss, loss how to deal with uh, the failure of uh, one server, one data center, one transmission line, or, in, or, or one part of uh, the whole network, uh, how to scale up and down without affecting user experience, how to optimize cost structure, all of these things. The second category would be new products, things like the flexible classroom uh, and the content moderation for video. These are just two examples of the new products we re released recently. And also what Tony talked about uh, in his opening remarks, all these new products. And the three category would be to support new use cases. When there is a new use case, it often requires uh, new features to be developed, uh, new demos, new templates, and uh, 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 deep optimization of all the technical details with uh, developers and customers. So that, that's, a, that's a third direction. So all of these things, as you can see, uh, they don't like, translate one-on-one -on -one into revenue, uh, but overall they enhance our com competitiveness and uh, the, 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 the overall breadth and depth of the platform. So it, there will be a gradual, uh, um, gradual revenue impact. And uh, as we scale, uh, as the use cases proliferate, we do expect eventually R&D uh, expense will, uh, will, will, will come down as percentage revenue, uh, but uh, we do not expect that to change significantly during the, the course of this year, as we are still in the, in the phase of, uh, of investment. Okay. I think there is a question around the stimulus, right? Yes. Okay. So, um, so uh, on how we uh, in, in increase the uh, stickiness of customers, uh, I think as you uh, can see, we are just uh, keep rolling out um, new technologies, features with a bigger product portfolio, and uh, also uh, more professional services uh, as a result of uh, keep focusing on creating value for developers. And in addition to that, there are also a few things we always try to do at Agora. Um, you know, um, like start the relationship early. Developers, uh, needs, uh, developers need our help the most when they are very small. And uh, this is why we had a large developer evangelist team in place and recently launched the startup program. We offer technical support, industry best practice, new RTE use cases, free minutes, or even financial advices. This kind of comprehensive engagement helps us build trust with our developers. 
And for larger um, customers, we offer work. Uh, we often work closely with them to deep, deeply integrate our software with their app to create best-in-class end-user experience. We also co-explore or co-develop solutions for new use cases, such as the recent lecture hall use cases. When such effort is successful, it will both deepen our relationship and drive usage. And lastly, we also try to create value uh, for you know all uh, kinds of uh, customers. Many customers don't see Agora as just a technology provider, but a partner that can help make their business more successful. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Vincent Yu from Needham and Company. Please ask your question. Thank you. Thanks, for management, for taking my question, um, and congrats on a strong quarter. Um, I have two questions. Uh, the first one is uh, about the progress of incorporating uh, eSmart services into uh, our product offering. How is uh, the initial responses by customers? And should we still think about the annual run rate to be around 10 million? Um, and the second question is about the, the new business uh, expansions. Um, are we looking for a new acquisition target in 2021 or other uh, business like the uh, expansion uh, areas? And if so, uh, which like are these which are these areas uh, to to enhance our uh, capabilities? Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'll take both questions. So uh, the initial response from developers and customers on the eSmart acquisition has been very positive. Uh, we uh, we are now able to pitch new customers with the combined video, voice, and chat offering, and uh, we have also integrated eSmob chat, right, uh, the chat APIs, in our flexible classroom and uh, flexible classroom product, and the op and several open source projects such as Flat. Uh, as Tony mentioned in the op opening remarks, right, the integration in China market has been completed. And we are working very hard with the SMOB team to make the chat product ready for the global market. Uh, we are working on things like uh, English documentation, uh, the API convention, and also uh, GDPR compliance. Uh, currently, we plan to launch it globally as a core chat at the end of this year. Uh, and in terms of revenue run rate, yes, I think we can still uh, use $10 million uh, for now. So in terms of uh, new acquisitions, uh, we are certainly looking at opportunities. Um, uh, but obviously, uh, they may they may materialize or not in the end. Uh, it's uh, highly uncertain. Uh, and to be more specific, I think we are looking for uh, three things. Um, one is technology. We are looking for technology that can uh, help make our product better. For example, video audio codecs or video intelligence algorithms. And secondly, products that can complement uh, our existing product portfolio. It can be either horizontal or vertical. And thirdly, uh, we're also interested in regional presence uh, that's complementary to our own. 
Thank you. Thank management. Our next question comes from the line of Akida Ayerkin from China Securities. Please ask your question. Uh, thank you for taking my question. Uh, I just have a question about the overseas business. So management just mentioned that the revenue contribution of overseas business is around 27 to 28%, correct me if I'm wrong. So I was wondering what is the revenue structure or contribution of different vertical sectors at non-China markets, uh, such as education and social entertainment and so on. Um, and also I was wondering um, in the global market, what is the customer acquisition strategy? Uh, it would be helpful if you can share a bit more about the current ways of acquiring customers and if there is any if there is any change in terms of sales strategy in the global market, thank you. Sure. Uh, yeah, the, the number is correct. And uh, in terms of the uh, actually, we we see ourselves as a global company, so it's uh, really uh, not overseas. It's uh, we have uh, three primary markets: the China market, the U.S. market, and the uh, we call rest of the world or the international markets. So, uh, for the U.S. and rest of the world market, actually we see a, a more diverse uh, set of use cases. We have seen very strong growth in many use cases that don't have a strong uh, uh, presence, a strong uh, strong usage of volume in China. Things like uh, watch party. Uh, we have a customer called Sinner, right? Uh, we have a virtual event which is very big outside, outside China. Uh, customers like Airme is, uh, is a customer and a partner. And we have a, a virtual office in this case. Uh, we have um, several large customers in this space. Uh, all these use cases are very, and, and, and of course also the uh, recent audio livecast use case. We have several large customers in that vertical already. So, um, Broadly speaking, it's still uh, entertainment, social, education, plus uh, enterprise. Uh, but the mix would, is actually a lot more, uh, a lot more diverse. So, in terms of the uh, go-to-market model, right? We pretty much uh, okay. First of all, we have been in that market for a very long time. So it's not that we recently expanded there and uh, hired a team. The team has been there for a long time. Um, our goal to market is really focused on both uh, the grassroots developer community, developer-driven sales motion, and also the uh, proactive uh, outbound uh, hunting motion. And we have a sales team of about uh, 20 people, uh, mostly focused on outbound. And we have a very strong uh, developer oriented sales and marketing team, uh, developer evangelists, um, providing developer support, and we have a very uh, easy to use self-serve portal. So the, 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 the business model is, uh, uh, is quite well balanced. Thank you. 
our next question comes from the line of Bing Duan from Nemura. Please ask your question. Hi. Uh, I thank you, management, uh, for taking my questions. Uh, I have uh, uh, two questions. Uh, so first uh, is a follow-up question uh, about uh, the, the, the development of our uh, large customers. Uh, are we seeing, like, uh, uh, for example, our top five uh, customers uh, who, uh, which have uh, already uh, started or accelerated their, their in-house uh, development of uh, uh, the the, uh, the real time uh, engagement uh, solutions uh, in like uh, online education and social media sectors in the first quarter and uh, uh, so uh, what uh, kind of uh, uh, solutions uh, we, we have or, or add uh, value added service we have uh, to uh, to help uh, retain and grow this kind of uh, customers uh, in a, in the future. Uh, my second question is uh, that uh, could you uh, elaborate more on the uh, extended reality uh, opportunities or, or use cases, uh, <clears throat> like uh, what kind of uh, uh, the technology uh, barriers uh, in, in this kind of uh, uh, in this kind of vertical, and uh, uh, are there any new uh, uh, the, or, or different uh, uh, solutions we need to? Provide and uh, how how uh, does management uh, look at uh, the future opportunities in this uh, segment? Thank you. Uh, uh, all right. Um, uh, I think for the uh, first question on uh, you know uh, further discuss with uh, in-house development for large customers uh, from the beginning of Agora, we've been in uh, you know constant uh, um, you know battle with in-house solutions. Uh, things, uh, you know, as you all know, uh, you know, initially there's no such concept of third-party professional providers. So almost all our business are winning from in-house solution, or you know, it's uh, just, just something uh, customers start to build on our platform. Uh, you know, we, in in the in, in the history of our business uh, growth, we've been seeing customers who switch to in-house. As well as customers who, uh, you know, again switch back from in-house to us. Uh, in multiple cases, we saw customers who switch to in-house first, and they had to switch back again to us. But overall, I would say more and more customers start to realize the value of professional third-party providers. It's not just quality and cost, but also the fact that they are safe. Uh, we are, uh, you know, we are saving them from all the troubles and the focus. Uh, so that they can focus on their core business. This has been reflected in our steady revenue growth despite certain customer switch in-house, switching to in-house. As to how to retain large customers, I think the answer is always to build the best solution or more professional solution for them, uh, you know, showing them how big a quality difference we can make and how professional a product and service offering we can deliver. Uh, you know, and uh, how, uh, you know, how much of those differences leads to business success to them. In addition, we also offer work with our large customers to co-develop or co-explore, uh, you know, solutions on new use cases, such as the recent lecture hall, uh, you know, use case. Uh, with such a, you know, effort, uh, you know, to, 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 you know, to become successful, uh, it will both deepen the relationship and uh, drive usage 
uh, and uh, making the partnership not just about technology service, rather on uh, you know innovation. So in terms of the extended reality uh, prospect, obviously we feel very uh, uh, optimistic about the potential of uh, all these new developments in uh, extended reality or uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, all these new new, new devices, new experiences. Um, and our strategy is uh, uh, we want to really help both the uh, device manufacturers and also the software developers. Uh, as Tony mentioned in his opening remark, right, we recently announced the partnership with, with HTC. And uh, as part of that uh, partnership, our SDK will be pre-installed in all the HTC Vive devices. So it will become a default choice for any software developer to use real-time engagement capability on that device. So that, uh, uh, as we continue to build more and more uh, uh, partnerships like that, uh, we, uh, we, we, we want to really become a standard or the go-to solution for RT uh, technology uh, on any VR or uh, XR devices. And as to the use cases, right, we have, uh, as only mentioned, first of all, we can enable uh, different device users to connect to video or voice. And additionally, and probably more importantly, we can allow them to live stream their experience, what they see in the uh, virtual world to other people, whether it's other people sitting in front of a mobile phone or people in other metaverse. You can stream this to another uh, virtual world and become a connector between the two metaverse. We see a lot of potential in use cases like this. Obviously, this is all in very still very early stage, and we believe the imagination of the developers are far beyond our own. Yeah, I want to add a little bit uh, um, to that because I'm uh, personally uh, very excited about uh, the potential of uh, building such uh, solutions or uh, use cases. Uh, although, as Jimbo pointed out, uh, the overall growth uh, is going to be long-term. It's not going to be something just happen overnight. Although, although we do see evidence that uh, uh, you know the, the 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 growth or the improvements on those uh, uh, XR or ER experiences are accelerating in the past few quarters. Um, uh, the reason we are so um, you know much uh, looking at this direction is uh, because uh, real-time engagement for any XR or uh, ER uh, experiences is uh, you know, super important to make sure the overall fluency or real-time needs uh, you know, of the experience. Uh, and uh, with that, I think Agora is going to be critical for enabling or ensuring such experience to be immersive uh, in any moment. Uh, so that's uh, where we see the strategic value we can offer for such uh, use cases. Uh, I think you can also see uh, such a statement, uh, you know, from the press release, uh, you know, of uh, uh, you know uh, our partnership with uh, with, with uh, different uh, uh, different uh, partners. Thank you very much.
Our next question comes from the line of Chan Wang from Macquarie. Please ask your question. Thanks uh, for taking the questions and congratulations on the impre uh, impressive results. Um, I have um, you know, roughly three questions here. Um, so firstly, can management share some colors on the user acquisition? Uh, which verticals are we getting more new customers? And do we have more uh, have proportionally more uh, clients in the U.S. and rest of the world markets? Um, and, um, and the second question is, um, you know, uh, in your uh, perspectives, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you powered more than 40 billion minutes of the real-time engagement um, in last uh, March. Um, can management maybe, you know, update that number for us? Um, and thirdly, um, you know, uh, what can we expect for, you know, eSmob uh, revenue contributions uh, in the following quarters? Thanks. Uh, sure. So, first of all, uh, in terms of user acquisition, yes, as, as, uh, uh, as I mentioned in the opening remark, right, we added about 11,000 uh, apps, uh, new, new apps registered on platform per month in this quarter, and the majority uh, actually came from uh, U.S. and rest of world markets. And in terms of uh, verticals, we got a lot of interest from the education sector, not just in China, and actually uh, in the U.S. and rest of the world market as well, particularly on the uh, new flexible classroom product. And we also got a lot of uh, inquiries from uh, uh, several leading internet companies on the audio livecast use case. Uh, the lecture hall use case uh, obviously has huge revenue potential because it can transform the whole large class experience. Um, and in addition, obviously, we saw a lot of uh, uh, interest from next generation use cases like uh, AR, VR, and also uh, things like uh, uh, immersive gaming platforms, or as people say, Matverse. Uh, other interesting use cases or emerging use cases uh, include virtual event, virtual office, uh, virtual tours, watch party, uh, just to name some examples. So the second question on the minutes, uh, we, we enabled more than 50 billion minutes of video and voice engagement per month uh, on average in Q1 this year. That compares to the 40 billion minute number uh, in March last year. Uh, but please know that that 40 billion number happened during the total lockdown in China. And that number was more than double uh, the number of minutes in December 2019. So if we compare uh, the 50 billion in this quarter with December 2019, uh, minutes almost tripled in uh, the last 15 months. What's the last question again? Can you repeat? Uh, the, the, the revenue contribution, uh, potential revenue contribution from eSmob. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, we are still guiding a, a run rate of uh, about $1 million per, per month. Thanks.
There's no more question at this time. I would now like to hand the conference back for today's presenter. Please continue. Thank you, operator. Uh, thank you all for attending this call. If you have any further questions, please feel free to email us. Uh, we will also upload remarks of this call on our IR website after the call. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.